Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zen Dependently Minded. It's your boy, Big Dick Damien, back with another episode. But before we get into the episode, here's a brief word from our sponsor. How's it going, guys? It's me, Big Dick Damien, back with another episode of Zen Dependently Minded. Hope you guys are staying safe. Hope you enjoyed my last episode. If you're into MMA, I hope you enjoyed... MMA minded 154,000, whatever was the last one I did. If you guys don't know, this ep- this podcast started very first episode. was w- uh, I was going to do this podcast permanently with a friend. It was just going to be a gaming podcast where we talked about whatever. That was the plan. Not a great plan, but that was the plan nonetheless. And then it turned into, oh, you know what? I'm going to do it on combat sports. I'm going to do it on boxing. I'm going to do it on MMA. And that's what it was for the longest. Then I introduced all the other shit, and then now here's what it is today. It's me talking about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. So I got the the undercover cop shades on today. I usually use these in my car rather than these ones, but I wanted to spice it up today. I wanted people to get wet. I wanted people to, you know, you know, there's those couples that they've been married for like 10, 15, 20 years. You know, the, the, the honeymoon phase is long passed over. And their sex life is trash. Nobody gets excited about having sex. It's just kind of a thing they feel like, oh, if we don't have sex, we're going to, our life's going to be ruined. Our marriage is going to be ruined. But then they spice it up. That's what I'm doing with these, with these shades. I don't, I thought it was, I was going to come up with something more clever than that, but whatever. I don't edit my videos besides background noise. I don't take shit out. This is me unfiltered. This is the real big dick Damien. Um, so I'm happy to announce my new, this is totally real, my new sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped, my balls are breezy, my balls are bald, and yours should be too. Go to manscaped.net slash zendependentballsack for 10% off your next lawnmower 12.0. Lawnmower 69.0 is now going to be 10% off with Zendependent Ballsack. In all seriousness, there's some fun stuff that I'm going to be talking about. But before we start, I just want to let you know, here, here's what's going to happen from now on. From not from now on. From, I'm just going to give you like a a hint, uh, a preview of what's to come in the future for Zen Independently Minded in 2022. So I'm going to, I already obviously am putting these podcasts on YouTube. I'm shadow banned, so I don't get almost any traffic. I'm not getting any impressions. I'm not getting any clicks. It's weird because I have like, 50 subscribers on there and nobody's like they're subscribed so they like my content but they're not even clicking on the videos maybe it's because they hate me but i'm shadow banned i'm just i'm not getting any impressions i'm getting literally 18 19 20 times more plays and impressions and just attention through all the other podcast platforms that i'm on but i'm still on youtube not going to give up on it i mean i invested in video stuff so until Anchor allows me to put video, um, and podcast platforms allow video, I'm just going to have to put it on YouTube, I have no choice, and yeah, that all being said, I'm going to start making YouTube shorts to try to, so this is, this is my YouTube shorts and TikTok, I'm going to make a TikTok account, account, the independently minded TikTok account, 
and I'm going to also make clips. So I'm going to try my best to capture the funniest or most outrageous or the most important bits of every podcast that I make. More so as independently minded than MMA minded, but I might make, I could make TikToks on like my official predictions so you can sift through all the analysis and the, the discussion bullshit and just, if you're just here just for, if you're just listening to MMA minded only for the predictions, then I'll have a clip or I'll have a TikTok, I'll have a YouTube short for that. I'm going to play with the clips just to try to get more exposure because the the logic that I'm using is the human the human attention span especially with technology is short. Not everyone wants to listen to a third 30 minute to 3 hour podcast. I've had I've had long podcasts before and a lot of people are just turned off by that. They feel like, "Oh, I got to put my entire attention span into this episode." into this podcast. But really, at least for me, I'm always doing something while listening to a podcast. I don't ever just listen to a podcast. I don't know why pe- some people watch them. That's crazy to me. Who the fuck has time to watch three hours of people talking? As good as the podcast might be, I got things to do. I'm usually I'm usually writing. I'm usually doing homework. I'm usually editing. I'm playing on my Xbox. I'm reading. Whatever. I'm always listening to a podcast in the background. It's not the main thing. But that all being said, podcasts have been around for, I want to say the very first podcast probably started in 2000, probably the late 2000s, so like 2009, 2010. And I'd only heard about a podcast and I learned about it in 2016 when a classmate of mine was watching a Joe Rogan clip. And I and I only knew Joe Rogan from MMA and I knew him from, sorry, these, I've, I've dropped these glasses a few times, so they're kind of, they're kind of loose. But anyway... I'd known him uh, for being the Fear Factor guy and being an MMA uh, UFC commentator. I didn't know anything about his podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was. And then I started kind of a year after that watching the clips on things, you know, guests that he had on that I liked more, that I was interested in, or topics that he was talking about that I w- was more interested in. Then when I really, really, really started to do my MMA portion of my podcast, I started watching every MMA show of his that he used to do. He used to call him MMA shows every time he had a combat sports athlete on or a coach. Then now I'm listening to every episode that has anything to do with anything that I'm that I'm interested in. Sometimes there's a bullshit episode like I don't know if there's like a, a, an unfunny female or male comedian or just someone that I'm not really into. They could be funny to other people and they're not to me. I just I skip it. But what I'm trying to say is my attention was brought, uh, the, Joe Rogan was brought to my attention through his clips. So that's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do. Because I already have my following. I hope by word of mouth and by the algorithms, I keep, I keep, uh, my following keeps increasing. But I think the short attention span is why TikTok and Vine and YouTube shorts are so big. And then the other thing is the other plus is with TikTok they have that they have that algorithm that puts you on like the trending page. It could put anybody a random video. The algorithm just randomly picks videos to put on the trending tab, whatever you call it. I'm sure I'm butchering it, but I'll figure it out once I get on there. And I'm just gonna make shorts so people can get a little taste of independently minded. And if they like what they hear or see, they can listen to the whole thing. That's the plan. I don't know why it took me this long to kind of think about it and realize, but. That's what I'm going to do. So TikTok, YouTube Shorts, clips, those are going to be coming soon. 
They're going to be awesome. I'm super excited about them. All right, let's get into the things that I want to talk about. So, uh, I guess I'll talk about the uh, the gay elephant in the room. Juicy Smollier. I only call him Juicy because that's how Chappelle called him. That's what Chappelle said when he was talking about him. That's how he pronounced his name. And I can never wipe that from my mind. So, Juicy Smollier got convicted. He was found guilty of five charges. He was can, He was charged with six and he was only convicted of five charges of, I want to say, disorderly conduct. So anybody that isn't completely blinded by their by their ideology or by their preconceived notions of opposing viewpoints and political parties and stuff like that, we knew, we all knew that this dude was lying. We all knew that this didn't happen. Juicy Smollier told the story that he went for some subway at like 2 or 3 in the morning in Chicago in the winter. Uh... Anybody who has been to the Midwest or who has been to Chicago specifically knows that it's cold as fuck in the winter. Nobody's walking outside unless they're homeless. Um, Juicy Smollier was walking around in the winter, 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning to go get some subway when out of the shadows come a couple couple MAGA guys. They said, this is, this is MAGA country, and then they beat him up and they called him a bunch of homophobic slurs and then tied a noose around his neck because they were they were going to hang him or they wanted to at least make it seem like they were going to hang him and then he went to the police station he had the noose still tied uh tied around his neck so he could show the police hey these freaking racists homophobics homophobic trump supporters they they try to kill me they assaulted me um yeah and then an investigation took place and yeah juicy smollier lied and he's going to possibly serve jail time. I know the the maximum for his charges is only a few years in prison. He's probably going to t- uh, face probation or community service of some kind. That's that's my prediction. I doubt he's going to spend a second in a in an actual prison. But apparently, he also so so what he did was he paid a few, and they were these two guys that he paid. Um, he paid them a couple thousand dollars each. They're people that he had connection with through the show that he was made famous from, Empire. He paid them to stage it and beat him up and make him look like, you know, he got attacked by some Trump supporters at 3 a.m. in winter uh, in Chicago. And those guys were, they actually served as witnesses for the prosecuting team. So he said that they're lying. He said they're homophobic. Jury ended up deciding that yeah, he lied. So that's fun news. I mean, it's really sad. It's pathetic that he did this, honestly, because Empire is a big show, or it was a big show while it was running. It's a really popular show. I, I I've never watched it, but I know that a lot of people liked it. I know a lot of people who enjoyed it. And whether or not he was trying to do this for political purposes, because he's that much of a left winger or Hollywood hack or whatever. Or if he was just doing this to get attention to his um, acting career, his Hollywood career. I don't know. I don't know the reason why. It's pathetic. I'm glad that justice was done. And it's insulting and it's disrespectful to people that actually are facing hate crimes. That are actually vic- they're actual victims of hate crimes. This, this is taking the attention and the, it's putting a bad name. It's putting a stain on the people that are that have actually 
been victims of hate crimes. And it's taking, it took these cops, it took resources, it took time, it took taxpayer dollars away from a city in Chicago that needs as the highest quality policing probably than um more than any more than any city in the United States Chicago's a shithole I've talked about it many times top 3 shitholes in the United States for sure without a doubt I say that with no hesitation but hopefully he learns his lesson um hopefully he learns that it's not that fucking serious just do better just be a better be a better actor don't you have a conscience if this panned out the way that he wanted if it catapulted his career and he he signed a 100 million dollar trilogy deal on some movie with with some agency in hollywood or something he probably would sleep at night knowing that he didn't get there by hard work and by grinding and by talent but he got there by faking an assault, a racial, sexual, sexual uh, pref- preference, um, and political-based assault. Whatever. Actors are going to act. Actors are going to be fakers. What is there to say? I'm going to keep them up here for the rest of the day, just because, or for the rest of the podcast, because I don't really know what else to put up there. Um... Next thing I wanted to talk about, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton is a pussy cuck bitch who is a spineless coward. And yeah, he's 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 financially making a smart move. Will Wheaton uh, apologized for past homophobia that he apparently, you know, he's taking responsibility for. It was things that jokes that he made in a comedy special or of some sort. I don't really know and I don't really care. And he criticized Dave Chappelle. So... In the wake of this Dave Chappelle controversy, I wouldn't, I guess I couldn't, don't need to say the wake because it's kind of over. The the person that was leaking details of the Netflix deal, she got fired. I think the person who was leading the charge to protest outside of Netflix all the time because she doesn't have a real job or he or whoever the fuck, um, they stopped. It's over. Free speech and the GOAT comedian won. Case closed. Will Wheaton is coming out. Financially, he is protecting himself and diminishing any responsibility that he has for past comments that could be deemed insensitive or homophobic or whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. Everyone's doing it now. But now he's also attacking Dave Chappelle. And as a comedian, Will Wheaton should understand that jokes are jokes. Comedy, I can say this for a fact, without a doubt in my mind, comedy has saved more lives than it has killed, or that is than it has taken. Dave Chappelle's trans jokes, his gay jokes, his jokes about celebrities, his race jokes, his jokes, not even just Dave Chappelle's, they do not contribute to damage or harm or violence towards the groups that, that that he decides to pick on and that comedians decide to pick on. That's just not the case. Words do matter. But Dave Chappelle was not ordering his fan base to go out and attack trans people and homosexuals and non-binary and all the, the LGBTQ community. He's just making jokes. That's all. It's funny. 
If one person finds it funny, then it's valid. And in this case, more than one person finds Dave Chappelle funny, and a lot less people find Will Wheaton funny. I don't find... I forgot that he existed. I remember him most from Stand By Me and being an occasional guest or occasional character in The Big Bang Theory. So Will Wheaton's a pussy. He's anti-free speech. Here's the thing. You are allowed to criticize Dave Chappelle. You are allowed to say that his special was not funny. You're allowed to say that you didn't like it. You are allowed to even say that it is transphobic, it's homophobic, it's racist, blah, 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 blah. Whatever, whatever you want to say. That's your free speech. Your free speech, free speech also entails the right to criticize. But asking for it to be removed and effectively suppressed, that is anti-free speech. And Will Wheaton is a pussy. Fuck Will Wheaton. I don't give a shit. Moving on. Let's see. So. Kids. Um, I'm trying to trying to think of how to transition into this. Kids. Kids are fun. Kids are great. I love kids. Um, so my fiance. I don't know if I've mentioned it before on here. But my fiance works for a child care center. For the military kids uh, overseas here where we're living. And she's been doing it for almost, it'll be, uh, I would say two and a half years now, right? Trying to do the math. We've been here for almost three, yeah. Yeah, so she's been doing it for almost two and a half years. So she's had a few classes, a a few classes of kids come in and like quote unquote graduate and move on to the next grade. And I knew this was going to happen and we're still going to see the long-term effects on this this lockdown and the the remote learning and stuff that that kids had to go through for the past year, almost two years now. But my fiance, the stories that she's been telling, to be honest, they're funny to me, but they're scary for the future. She'll talk about kids that are, that are dropping the MFR and saying damn and goddamn it and what the hell and all, all these kinds of things. Um, and these kids are just so bad. They're so defiant against authority. They're so... They're just socially inept, it seems like. And that definitely, definitely, definitely... The pandemic and the lockdowns and the remote learning, that has affected their ability. And it's stunted their social growth. And that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. It's not like, oh, put them in school now, like they are right now, and... Have them learn how to te- talk to kids. That's not how it works. Kids are very impressionable. Their brains are very impressionable. They're very malle- malleable in the physical <laughs> and, and you know, what's the word? Mental. In the mental, it, they're, very, they're very malleable in the physical and mental sense. And these kids, yeah, they're going to grow up and they're going to have issues. And... If more lockdowns and more public schools are getting shut down, we can only see this in getting worse in the future. And it's really sad because people who are proponents of lockdowns and shutting down schools because of a new variant and or whatever, they pretend that they pretend like they care about kids, but they're the same fucking clowns that celebrate people that have gotten multiple abortions. And they're the same clowns that ignore the the higher risk that comes with the COVID vaccine for kids. And also the inherent 
low risk that COVID has on kids. But anyway, grifters are going to grift. I hope that these kids can get help and I hope that they can, you know, improve in their social skills. And it's just, it's not a good look for the future. It's not a good look, especially if this pandemic keeps keeps on keeping on. Let's see, looking at my notes. So, second to last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, Omicron. I'm actually pretty optimistic about Omicron. So, like I'd addressed it in the past, the world world governments are freaking out over Omicron, but the people that matter most, like, trust the science, guys, trust the science. The doctors in South Africa that first identified the Omicron variant, they've been reporting that the symptoms are very mild. And so far, I think officially, only the first person to have died from Omicron that happened today and that happened in the UK. And that's not surprising because Boris Johnson's handling of the pandemic is, it's pretty fucking bad. But I could I could get into that another time. I'm back. Sorry about that interruption. Pardon the interruption. I've had quite a few interruptions lately in my podcast. It's really annoying. I used to be able to go uninterrupted, but there's always something going on. Anyway, yeah, I just received a text. I just inked a $100 million deal with Spotify to be exclusively on their platform, so details will be coming out on that uh, later. But what was I talking about? Omicron, yeah, so Omicron is mild, but it is highly, it's easier to trans, it it is easier to, man, my mind is blanking today. I, I keep having to pause and I keep, whatever. It's highly transmissible, but the symptoms are mild, which is a good sign. It's early on, but that's just what the, that's what the, you know, the, the, the small caseload that we have so far of the Omicron, that's what the studies are showing, that it's highly transmissible and the symptoms are mild, which is a good, it's a good sign uh, for, for making strides, positive strides towards the end of this pandemic, because herd immunity was not reached by the mass amounts of vaccinations that were pushed. I know a lot of people who are saying, oh, once 100% of the people are vaccinated with these weak antibodies that don't last that long, that are that are weaker and they don't last as long as um, natural antibodies that you get from actually getting and recovering from COVID, which is a risk, of course. I'm, I would never, ever, ever suggest that anybody goes out and gets COVID because... It's still not 100% on who it affects, who it damages, and who it kills. So I would never ever suggest that. But the science is there. Antibodies that you get, uh, the natural immunity that you get from getting COVID and recovering, it lasts longer and is stronger than the vaccines. Anyway, what I'm trying to say, herd immunity can be reached with the Omicron variant, which will arm us for the next inevitable variant. Because like I said, viruses are going to evolve. And that's why we get variants. But if not that many people are dying, and it's even less deadly than the 1.9% death rate for COVID as of today, I checked it right before I did this episode, that's good news. And so far, like I said, it is way, way, way less deadly. Only one person has died of Omicron. So that being said, that means more people are going to get it. More people are also going to get booster shots that are probably going to be designed to 
protect against the Omicron variant. More people are going to have antibodies, whether it's from the vaccine or whether it's from getting the Omicron variant. And the people that have gotten the Omicron variant, they will have antibodies and they'll most likely be left unscathed or the damage will be very low and they will be able to recover. Leaving us, leaving the world populations even more protected for when the next variant comes. And one can only hope, man, then one can only hope the next variant is also highly transmissible, but weak. But, you know, knowing the fishy and suspicious circumstances that that have arose from this vaccine and from where the vaccine even came from, the next one could could be the opposite. And then we'll carry this pandemic on and we'll keep freaking out and we'll keep ruining people's lives and ruining the future with kids. But optimistically speaking, Omicron could signal the end of the pandemic. Maybe early next year, or uh, maybe the middle and the end of next year, we'll have achieved herd immunity. And then COVID will always exist, but it will be like the flu and the common cold. Um, people who are immunocompromised or unhealthy, they can get vaccines. They'll be readily available for, for, the, for the people who need them. Then everyone else can live their fucking lives and we can get on with this shit because I want to travel without having to download 12 apps, without having to show this stupid ass QR code. I have 50 fucking apps on my phone, 80,000 different codes I have to scan when I get on the fucking train. When I drive across the border, I have to show my cock to to show them that I don't have COVID, to show them my small balls. And when I get on the plane, I have to, sh- it's just fucking annoying, man. I want to be able to travel freely because it's, it's in my fucking instinct to travel and to be one with nature. And it's the, the hurdles you have to go through for this shit. I got fucking vaccinated and I'm considered not fully vaccinated now because it's been past six months since I got it. So... Eventually, I'm going to have to get the booster shot to live my life. It's fucking annoying. And it terrifies me because I hate needles. I hate needles so much. And the thought of fucking needle going in my arm makes me want to pass out. I can't stand it. I'm a pussy. Call me a pussy. Whatever. I'm just sick of this shit, man. I really am. And I know most <laughs> most people are. There's a small minority that loves reporting the fucking numbers. They love talking about how horrible this pandemic is and how... This one could kill kids. This next one could kill kids. This one could, this one's killing everybody, blah, blah, blah. They love calling for lockdowns from their million dollar mansions. They love, they love calling for that shit. But most people are tired of it too. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a special and unique person. Everyone I know is tired of this shit. Everyone I know wants, most people I know, they want each other, they want everyone to be safe regardless of Regardless of the steps that they believe we can take to get to that safety, most people want the end of this pandemic, and I'm feeling optimistic, man. I really am. This Omicron variant could could end up helping us in the future, and when COVID-22 comes, we'll be ready for it. Well, the last thing I wanted to talk about, it's an important topic. It's an, it's a, it's an important discussion that needs to be made more often. And that's rehabilitation over reincarceration. So many developed countries across the world, especially in Europe, they focus on rehabbing and mental health for people that commit crimes, for felons. 
So when they go into prison, they have a, a much lower chance of committing a crime when they come out. And they have a much higher chance of reintegrating back into society and contributing and living a happy life. Because people who commit crimes that are not overtly evil, like, I'm not saying, so someone who kills 10 people and they show clear signs of mental illness, when they go into prison, they're not coming out. I'm pretty sure if you kill 10 people, you can't get out of prison. In the United States, I'm speaking about the United States. But in countries, the specific country I wanted to talk about was Norway. So Norway has, I believe, the lowest reincarceration rate in the entire planet, as far or at least the entire developed world. And they also have one of the 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 most the highest budgeted and one of the most highly focused rehab systems for felons, because people who commit aggravated robbery. They do not need to go into prison for however many years, however many months. It's stunting their their move forward, their the steps that they're taking forward in their lives when they come out. Someone goes to prison for 10 years in America. They come out. They are 10 years behind. They're never going to get those 10 years back. And yes, they should not have committed a crime. Yes, they should be punished. And they were punished. But once you serve the crime, there are other... It's like you're getting a second punishment. Um... And that's why the United States has... I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Let, let's look this up. United States. United States. Reincarceration rate. And that says incarceration rate. I don't know. I'm... I'd rather just keep talking, but I'm going to assume, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that the United States has one of the highest reincarceration rates in the entire developed world. I would not be surprised if it is number one in that category, which is not a statistic that we want to be number one in. And the reason that is, is because people who are put in prison that don't have life sentences or aren't put on death row, they're just left there. They're treated like everybody else. And when they get out of prison... They're screwed. And there are not a lot of success stories. There are not a lot of comeback stories of people who go to prison for long periods of time and come out and are able to, are able to resume their lives and, and live a meaningful life that doesn't involve committing crimes to make a living. And I'm not trying to diminish responsibility for people who commit crimes. That's not what they do in Norway. In Norway, people go to prison, but it's not hell. It's not hell like in the United States. And I know there are far worse places to go to prison than in the United States. But mental health and wellness checks are are really, really, really important. And they're, they play a pivotal role in Norway's prison system and in their criminal justice system. One of the things that they do is when someone's sentence is about, up, is about to be up and while they're serving their sentence too, there's a lot of checks that are done on them a lot of mental health checks that make sure that they are fit and they are ready to go back into society. And it's safe for people that are in that well-functioning society. They want to make sure that it's safe for them to also take this person back in and have this person, you know, in their community. And it works. Norway, like I said, has one of, 
if not the lowest reincarceration rates in the entire developed world. And one of the things that they do with felons is they take they take felons out to nature and they teach them how to fish, they teach them how to hunt, they teach them all these life skills. So when they get out of prison, they have something to fall back on. And I love that. I know there are a lot of fucking weirdos that are unable to think of how much damage um, just abandoning felons is, how much damage that does in the long term for society and for a whole entire country. But incarceration rates to begin with are really, really, really alarming in the United States. I think for the developed world, if I remember correctly, the United States has the highest incarceration rate per capita for the entire developed world. And that's unacceptable. That's something that we need to work on. And there's also other things that I've addressed and I've talked about in the past, such as decriminalizing drugs, not making all drugs legal. There's a difference here. Making all drugs legal just makes it to where everybody can do whatever they want. They can get hands on whatever they want. Um, Demand for crack is met by supply for crack. And that's not cool. Decriminalization is something that most countries in Europe have taken part in. And decriminalization just means there's help you can get if you are caught with an illegal substance, a high amount of an illegal substance, like you're trafficking it. There's a fine to be paid. You do community work and you get the, there are resources available for you to treat your addiction or whatever the case may be. Whatever the reason is you have a bunch of um, illegal controlled substances on your person. That's what decriminalization is because someone who has someone who has a meth problem does not need to go to prison for, 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 for years. That's, that's ridiculous. That person needs help. They are either mentally ill or they are an addict and they do not deserve to rot in prison and have their mind deteriorate and just go cold Turkey from this drug. There, there are programs and there are resources that can be made to help these people. The United States is so powerful. This is so I know this is something that a lot of naysayers will say. Um because I had this discussion with someone um when we were pulling out of Afghanistan actually at my job I helped park a plane that had some refugees from Afghanistan. And there was a guy who was overseeing the 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 task or he was just there watching. He had a shirt on and it said it said veterans over refugees and that caught my eye because i thought first of all fuck you this is not the right place to make your bullshit statement and second of all that statement is ridiculous the united states is so powerful and has so many resources and it's 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 the superpower it is not maybe not the only superpower, but it is the still the superpower, despite what anybody can try to tell me. They're still the superpower in the world. They're they're people can talk shit, uh what like here in Europe, people talk shit about America, but most of those countries have like United States military presence and it's like, bro, you guys would fall apart without us. Anyway, the United States has so many resources and they're so powerful that if they put their mind to something, they can do it. Point blank period, no matter what. So someone tried to tell me that the United States doesn't have the money, doesn't have the resources, it can't take care of both refugees 
and veterans. But it can. That's bullshit. That's a fucking excuse because you want to pretend like you have to prioritize one group over the other. Veterans absolutely need help. And we're not taking care of them either. So how are you going to say veterans over... You're not taking care of either refugees or the veterans. What fucking stance are you taking, you dumbass? And the same goes with criminal justice reform. Obviously Norway. I'm aware. Norway. Germany. Austria. Finland. Sweden. All these places with historically low incarceration and reincarceration rates. And low crime rates. These places obviously... They have smaller populations than the entire United States. The United States has like 330 or 340 million people living there. My, I, I don't have the solutions to everything, but I know that criminal justice needs reform in America. And of course, in Norway, there are probably ways that... I, I, I'm not a Norwegian citizen, so I can't say. But I'm sure there are ways that they can improve too. I always stress improving, improving, improving. Improvements can always be made. And with the United States, we have the money, we have the capability to raise money, and we have the resources to implement this kind of system. I think that it should be state by state. You can't just have one big-ass facility where you send all the felons, you send all the, the I guess you could say, nonviolent criminals to go spend their years and have wellness checks on. But you also we also have a lot of psychopaths and sociopaths in the United States that will take advantage of this system where they're like, oh yeah, I get to kick back. I'm just going to be on good behavior for this next five to 10 years. And then I'm when I when the wellness check comes, I'll pretend like I'm recovered. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of the risks that come with the scumbag nature and the selfish nature of the United States. Where I'm living in Europe, we have the honor system. If that kind of thing was, and it's taken advantage of by Americans all the time and it's so fucking embarrassing because I'm like you're it's so disrespectful to come and live or visit another country and take advantage of their honor system that's so fucking it's so disgusting to me but yeah there are going to be people that try to take advantage of this if we were to implement this in the United States but that's why we we don't hold back when it comes to the budget you hire and train the best psychiatrists the best psychologists the best therapists the best counselors, the best advisors, the best career planners and uh, strategists to help these people. Hire and train the best of the best, as we should do with cops as well, as we should do with the military, which we're not doing. Um, and that's a fact. But we have the capability in the United States to implement this kind of system, maybe state by state. So if someone commits a crime in California... They're sent to one of these rehab centers. They're taught. And it's, I don't want to say hammered because that sounds too aggressive, but they're taken care of. Because if they're mentally unwell, they need help. Mental health awareness is like a big topic right now in the United States. But we need to go farther than just awareness. People are aware that people have mental health. Everyone has uh, our mental illnesses. Everyone knows someone or themselves um, personally that has a mental illness. But that's as far as we'll go. We'll make a fucking tweet on Instagram, uh, on Twitter. We'll make a post on Instagram, make a post on Facebook about mental health awareness. But we need to take it another step. People are aware of mental illness. We need to know how to help these people live safe, healthy, and if they can, happy lives. 
And we need to be able to take care of these people because people who are mentally unwell, they're not monsters. They're humans too. And a lot of people who are committing crimes are being, that are mentally ill, they're being lumped in with the same pieces of shit that are just scumbags, that are just assholes that take advantage of people. Um, and they just, you know, they, they create chaos just for the sake of creating chaos. And there's a difference. And that's what I'm trying to say. Criminal justice reform is something that I, I care about deeply. Because I know a couple people that suffer from the 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 completely lackluster criminal justice reform, um, I mean, system that's in place in the United States. I know a few people that went to prison. They served their time. They're not innocent. They did something wrong. They served their time. They came out and they're a few years behind. And it just makes life harder for them. And... Yeah, like I always say, there are improvements to be made. We have the capabilities to hire and train the best possible people. There are a lot of people that have psychology degrees. Pay for them uh, bachelors in psychology, which is kind of useless. Pay for them to get their masters. Pay for them to get their PhDs. Give them student loan forgiveness to come work at these mental health and, I guess, quote-unquote prison rehab centers. We can do this. This is a possibility. The United States and... People just need to be willing to take part in this and to contribute because mental health awareness is very important, but there's steps we need to take after. We're aware of someone that has mental health problems and that are, that are mentally ill, but not a lot of people, not enough people know how to help them, um, nor do they have the resources, even though we have the capability as a country to give these people resources or arm the people that are willing to help or that can help the resources to help people with mental health problems and felons that have mental health problems. So, that all being said, I hope that we can we can come to some kind of criminal justice reform. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a year. The the system that's in place now has a lot of people who think there's nothing wrong with it. They think, "Oh yeah, this guy had he was selling drugs. He had three pounds of weed in his trunk. He deserves to go to fucking jail for for ten years or whatever the 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 charges uh the crimes are. I mean the uh, the sentences for for having some weed in their car. Some people just think, oh, who gives a shit? They're I knew, I, I have a friend who thinks that way, and I had to explain to him like, hey, dude, not all criminals are the same. They're scumbags that deserve to be in prison for the rest of their lives, but those that are going to be let out, which majority of people in prison are not in prison or on death row um or i mean or have lifetime sentences people are going to when they come out they need help they need to be armed to come back into the real world because we don't want these people to commit crimes again it should be really easy but it's not unfortunately it should be really easy to convince people hey this is a win-win we're helping people out that need help but we're also keeping us on the outside safe what what's the problem here? We have the money. Don't 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 try to push that bullshit on me. We have the money, we have the capability, and we can have the resources to take care of people that need it and come to some kind of criminal justice reform. So it's been a long time coming and I hope that we see more proponents of this and more leadership in this realm. But that's going to end and wrap up this episode of Zendependently Minded. I hope you enjoyed the episode. 
Um, one last little thing. I was in Berlin last weekend. I saw Joe List. It was awesome. Joe List, if you guys don't know, is a comedian. Criminally underrated comedian. He has a podcast. He has two podcasts. One with uh, Ron on Hirschberg where they talk about movies in depth because he's a big movie guy. But he calls them films, which I always think is kind of hacky to call movies films. It's like a pseudo-intellectual way to talk about movies. But he also has another podcast. One of my favorite podcasts in the entire planet is called Tuesdays with Stories with Mark Norman. I was really excited. I had a fun time. I had one of the best burgers. I'm trying to think. It might be the best burger I've ever had in my entire life in Berlin. It was at a place called Burgermeister. It was recommended to me from a friend and I was like, all right, this guy was probably drunk or he was high when he went here. So it was extra good. But no, man, I got two of the burgers and I ate them bitches so fast. It was an amazing trip. It was cold. Um, I'm probably never going to drive there again because I took the Beamer and drove. Next time I'm going to fly or I'm going to take a train because that city's crowded and there's not a lot of available parking. But Joe List was hilarious. I actually got a fist bump from him. when he, I was I was in the second row from the stage. And when he got off, put my fist out and he fist bumped me and said, thanks, buddy. And uh, yeah, I, you could say I was fangirling. You'd have to ask my fiance though. But anyway... Hope you guys are happy, you're healthy, and please stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Also, stay tuned with merch. Be prepared for some clips, for some TikTok um, clips and some YouTube shorts starting next year. And yeah, I'm excited to see where this podcast goes. It's been amazing to see it grow the past two years or year and a half. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't remember exactly when I started the podcast. It feels like I've been doing it forever, honestly. But continue to grow with me. And as always, stay safe. Stay away from those crazies out there. <laughs>